Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! Uh, good morning, guys. Welcome to Man Challenge. My name is Sam Reeder. Uh, I am a table leader down here at Table 4. I'm a table leader at Table 4. Yeah, it's getting worse. Okay, so, uh, morning. Welcome to Man Challenge. Every week when we start off, we want to just remind ourselves why we are here. Uh, it can sound a little repetitive or redundant, but it is essential that we never forget why we gather here, why we do it the way we do it. So essentially, we have two primary goals. We want to develop a confident and competent understanding of who Jesus is, and we want to develop authentic male relationships. If, if, if you don't know a certain subject matter, you're probably not going to tell other people about it. And so the greatest subject matter would be Jesus Christ. Uh, and so as we, as we want to grow in our competence of who he is, we believe the best way to do that is to study the Bible. That's why we study that here. Uh, and then as we grow in our competence, we would then grow in our confidence to go and share that good news with other folks. And we believe the best format, the best setting, the best context to study the word of God is in community. So that's why we sit at table rounds, not in rows. That's, that's it. It's not complicated. That is why we do this format the way we do it here. If you've been with us the past couple weeks, we've been studying a guy named Solomon. Uh, David, the guy with the, the slingshot who killed the giant Goliath, this would be his son. So uh, we saw two weeks ago where David was the king of Israel. He passed the torch, as it were, to his son Solomon. Solomon becomes the king. Uh, and then last week we were in 1 Kings chapter 3, uh, where we studied about how God gave Solomon tremendous wisdom. So we're going to continue studying Solomon for the next couple months. And as we do, this week we're going to step out of that text. We're going to step out of 1 Kings. And we're going to look at some of these things that that really wise king wrote down. So the things that Solomon wrote are kind of bound in this collection, this genre, this category of writing. That's often referred to as wisdom literature. So that would be things like Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. So for the next five weeks, that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at those from a very high level. And truly, the best way to study those is to go verse by verse and study through those books. And for the sake of time, we're going to do a high-level study of those very quickly. And the hope is, catch this, that we would equip you all to study it on your own. Wisdom literature, like the Proverbs, is Hebrew poetry. Now, I don't know about you guys individually, but for me personally, I'm not a big poetry fan. I typically don't know what to do with poetry. So when I, when I look at Proverbs, I tend to have like a fortune cookie approach. You know, so like I'll, I'll crack it open, I'll read a line, and based on my personal preference or how it hits me, I either like it, and I fold it up and tuck it in my pocket for later use. Psalm, or Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Like, yeah, I like that. I'll keep that one. And then I get to, to Proverbs eleven twenty two, Like a golden ring in a pig's snout, so is a beautiful woman without discretion. 
And for a couple of you all, you're like, dude, it's 6 a.m. I haven't even started listening yet. And I, I respect that. And then for a few of you, you're like, man, that's a little too poetic. I'm a dude. I'm not into that. And it's gone. And for a few of you, you might think, like a golden ring in a pig's snout, so is a beautiful woman without discretion. Huh. Okay, that's deep. And you fold that up and you tuck it down. But then what we do is later tonight, your wife or girlfriend says, hey, what do you think about this dress? And you're like, well, actually, I'll tell you. Actually, never mind. And you pitch that too, right? We don't, we don't know what to do with poetry. So just functionally, we tend to avoid it, right? So the hope is, catch this, the hope is that as we walk through this, we will equip you guys to walk through this on your own. Or maybe this summer as a table when you stay connected that you could study through the Proverbs or Ecclesiastes together as a group. So this week will be a little bit different than our usual format. We're going to team teach. Some of you don't like that. Well, guess what? Suck it up, buttercup. It's just one week. You've got to get through it. Some of you like the team teaching. Soak it in. This is your only chance this semester. Uh, we're going to bring a couple guys out, and we're going to walk through this. And, and I really want you guys to catch our method. We're, we're going to go line by line, bit by bit, word by word at times. And we're going to chew through the text because you're supposed to meditate. You're supposed to ruminate. You're supposed to chew your way through the Proverbs. So as we do that, catch, catch our method of how. Uh, but as we, as we turn to our uh, teachers today, go ahead and welcome them out, if you will. This is Chris Burke. And Kurt Souter. Hey guys. music. Intro music. Morning. Morning, guys. Uh, a lot of you guys recognize these faces, but I'm sure there's a lot of you who don't. So let's just do some quick introductions. Chris Burke, who are you? What do you do? Why do you always have orange on in some capacity? Mm, great question, Sam. Yeah. Uh, my name's Chris. I've been here a while, uh, like a long while, like back when Kurt was the boss, while. Um, and uh, these, are my, these are my dudes over here, um, table 1A, and we, um, I'm married to Sarah, we have five kids, um, and uh, is that enough? Okay. Sounds like enough yeah. to me. What's with the orange? Oh yeah, the orange. I went to Tennessee, uh, even though I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, so you guys can, we'll talk offline about that, but uh, so I it's in my blood. I can't. I can't really. Okay. I can't really explain it other than that. So right. you just kind of have to deal with that. Some of these guys out here just kind of to deal with that all morning. Okay. Well, I, real quick, also. I mean, you were probably on a, a bus leaving out of Knoxville a lot, heading to a lot of parks. I'm sure you had a lot of downtime. Spent a lot of time. I'm sure with your nose and books of poetry. Who was who was your favorite poet back in your heyday? Since we're talking poetry, just curious. Yeah, me neither. I'm not into I don't it. Either. I don't know, me neither. <laughs> yeah, I, went, was I was really trying to think of a name somewhere in the, the Rolodex of my brain. I can't even come up with one. The so. only dude I know real into it packed all his stuff up and moved to Canada. So shout out to Mason yeah. Bramer. He, <laughs> he watches birds too, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. So, so there you go. Yeah, that's not my deal. Yeah, Kurt Souter, uh, welcome to the stage. You going to ask me my favorite poetry? I am not. <laughs> come on. Okay, all right. You can lead off with that. Come on, guys. Song of Solomon. Mm. I'm going to climb the mountain of myrrh. Just check that out. What a pastor. I tell my wife, I go, honey, can we, I just, can I just read some of my favorite passages of scripture? She rolls her eyes like, I go, can we climb the mountain of myrrh tonight? She does. 
Just, tell, just telling you guys, it's in there. It's in the Bible. <laughs> All right, so we are off Good to morning. the races. 6 a.m. Uh, Kurt, who are you? What do you do for a living? Oh, Brief bio. Uh, Kurt Souter. I got six kids, two stepkids, four of my, uh, for my first wife. Uh, and uh, then Nancy and I have been married for five years. And uh, we both lost our first spouses real, actually fairly close to the same time. Mm. And that was one of the things that uh, God really brought us together. Really cool. And I've uh, been here at Southeast for 22 years. Was the men's pastor before Ronnie for 10 years. And then was a campus pastor for four and then my first wife and I started a ministry about, uh, actually, 15-plus years ago. And uh, that's what I still do. So I'm still a pastor, but uh, get to do a lot of stuff like this at Southeast and other churches. And uh, so. Cool. Real yeah. quick plug. He doesn't know I'm going to do this. One of the ministries Kurt's a part of is a radio show uh, with Chad Russell. It's called Solid Steps Radio. Uh, just to, to inform you guys of another great resource, it's available SoundCloud, iTunes, anywhere you get your podcasts, but they just recently finished a five-week series on spiritual warfare, and I've just got to say, buddy, that was so helpful to me. Um, you can get real in the weeds with stuff like that, and you all were so practical. In terms of me leading my wife and my young kids, I felt highly equipped with some very practical things to go and do at home. So... You guys, something on your own individual time, uh, Solid Steps Radio, i got to make a plug man. for that. Thanks. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so this week, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs. If you take your Bible and you cut the deck right in half, odds are you're going to hit Psalms. If you didn't, try again. I didn't either. I hit Job. If you get to <laughs> Psalms, there's 150 of those. Get to the very end, and you'll be at Proverbs. As the guys turn to Proverbs chapter 1, Kurt, if you will, we've been in 1 Kings for a couple weeks Proverbs is very different than 1 Kings. If you will, kind of give us an introduction. What, what is the book of Proverbs? What should we keep in mind to know as we go to it to read it? Well, the purpose of, of the Proverbs is to, for us to gain wisdom. Our, our tendency is to not live with wisdom. Uh, it talks about several different kinds of guys. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But there's, there's the fools and the, you know, that's throughout Proverbs, but Proverbs is, is, is to help us get, as men to gain wisdom. And they're short little statements, uh, you know, wisdom in a nutshell. Uh, sometimes they're hard to understand, like your, uh, you know, gold, gold ring, ring and a pig snout. pig snout. You know, like, huh? Um, but they're, they're meant to have us not just read them, but to read them slowly and to reflect mm -hmm. and to, like, think and ponder on what, what is this saying? And sometimes you got to read it numerous times to, uh, to really get the hang of it and, and to get the, the big picture. But Proverbs are meant to really give us wisdom. Good deal. Uh, if you will, we're going to be Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7. Uh, Burke, if you will, read it for us and then pray and we'll jump in. <clears throat> sure. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight. For acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Let's pray. 
God, uh, thanks this morning. God, thanks for getting us up. Thanks for breath in our lungs and uh, a fresh start. Lord, uh, we're grateful for that each and every morning. God, thank you for uh, a group of men that come together uh, with the purpose of uh, hearing from you and for sharpening each other. God, I pray that today you'd uh, give us some fresh bread. God, give us a new perspective. Uh, Lord, we pray for wisdom and we pray that uh, your word would would lead us in that direction, God. So thank you for another chance to uh, hear from you and the blessing of living in a country where we can do that freely. Uh, We thank you for another day. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's just start at the very top, guys, the very top of our passage. In verse 1, it opens and says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. So right off the bat, good deal. This is the guy we've been looking at for the past two weeks, Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. These are his Proverbs. So as you read through the Proverbs over the next few weeks, which we prayerfully hope that you will, there's 31 chapters, so it's very much an achievable task. As you read through this, you're going to find at least three other places throughout the Proverbs where it tells you there's a different author. And I love that about the Bible. It's not trying to hide anything. It tells you who's doing what where. But the opening of this book as a whole ascribes uh, Solomon at authorship. And that is because as this great wise king of renown, he is kind of seen as the father figure, the father of wisdom literature. So it tells us Solomon has given us these proverbs. And our next section is going to be verses 2 through 6. And really what that section does is it fleshes out for us what the goals or the purposes of these proverbs are, what they are meant to do. So we're going to kind of take those one at a time and just walk through them and just see what it says. This is really like the preface or the introduction of a book mm-hmm. that all of us skip. Like you get Kyle's new book and your preface, oh, I, I'm going to breeze past that. We're actually going to just walk through it and see what this wise king says this book is meant to do for us. Uh, so verse 2 again says that the Proverbs of Solomon are for, verse 2, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight. So wisdom, instruction, understanding, Burke, help us out. Those words kind of sound redundant to me. Maybe they're nuanced. What, what is Solomon saying here in verse 2 that this book is going to accomplish for us? Yeah, I think they, they are synonyms, um, but they, you know, they do have distinctness. Wisdom, experience, knowledge, good judgment, instruction, detailed information on how something should be done. Insight, a deep understanding of a person or situation or a thing. I think about, um, you know, and, and it's one thing for me to say, okay, you come to me, hey, man, how do I, this team's playing man-to-man defense, what should we do offensively? I say, okay, well, set a high pick and roll with your biggest guy on your best ball handler. Okay, that's a wise thing. Well, how should we set the pick and roll, right? And then give me an insight as to why that would work. Okay, mm. We're going to put our shooters in the corner. We're going to get their big out of the lane. We're going to make him defend 30 feet from the basket. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's like, okay, why is to run a pick and roll? Here's how to do it. And this is kind of the reason why it's going to work. Yeah. Uh, and so Solomon's setting that up. Um, I don't know if you're keeping tally on my jockisms, but that's one. I got okay. one in early. Uh, but that's... that's uh, that's what he's setting the stage for here with this book, man. Cool. We're, we're going to give you some stuff to, to chew on. We're going to give you a little bit of the how to do it um, and the, the, the also the why behind it, which we're going to get into here in a minute. Sure. All right. Uh, so the next verse, verse 3, 
Uh, you could again read, starting in one, jumping to three, that the Proverbs of Solomon are for, verse three, for receiving instruction and prudent behavior, for doing what is right, just, and fair. So Burke kind of gave us this internal reality, this instruction, this wisdom, this understanding. Now this says it's going to affect prudent behavior for doing what is right, just, and fair. So Kurt, help us out with that. What, what is Solomon saying that these Proverbs are going to accomplish? Well, before I even answer that, I, I think it's just right and fair is our tendency is not to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, our tendency is to go, go down the, the path of the fool. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But, you know, you know so the, the whole piece of right is practical righteousness, you know, to do the right thing, you know, in the, in the right scenario, in the right situation, to do the right thing. That's what wisdom will help us do. So when we have um, difficult decisions at work or a family or whatever, with this wisdom and this, these proverbs are help us to do the righteous thing. And, uh, and then the next, the next word is just. It's, it's just honest, to do the honest thing. Mm-hmm. Our t- again, our tendency is to you know, be 95% honest but not that last 5%. And so, you know, to do the, the just thing, the honest thing. And, and then fair, that's equity. That's to live with integrity, not just to say it. And this is the struggle that we're, you know, mm. we, li- we look at Solomon's life. Solomon wrote all this awesome stuff, but he really struggled then to, to live it. <laughs> and he, you know, he, you know, he says, you know, do not lust in your heart after her beauty. Talking about the harlot, the, the woman of the night. Do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes. For the prostitute reduces you to a loaf of bread. And the adulteress preys upon your very life. And then Solomon goes and marries and connects with hundreds of wild women. I mean, it's like, dude. <laughs> and so he, but what he's saying here is we need to go after righteousness and what justice and what's fair what's integrity you know that's that's the heartbeat you know it's funny though we were talking about this before we've all i think you guys would agree with this i think we can all be guilty of it we all know people or have been the person that's given a really wise saying and then not done it right uh and and solomon might be the all captain he might, he might be the captain of that yeah but yeah yes. uh you know the old do as i say not as i do mm. and well, he's got some, some really wise sayings about how to handle women and uh, maybe didn't execute it all that well. There you go. So you, you, you guys probably catch this is way better than a, a fortune cookie you're going to ball up and throw on the ground. This is something that's going to affect our internal and our external realities if we will humble ourselves and learn from this wisdom in Proverbs. So verses 2 and 3 kind of give us the, the what. The next couple verses are going to give us the who, who these mm. Proverbs are aimed at. So verse 4, uh, the Proverbs of Solomon are useful, verse 4, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. So we kind of get these categories, the young, the simple. Burke, you've coached a lot of youth teams, a lot of young men over the years. Why do you think Solomon turns his focus to that population of people, that group the young and the simple, and then also, by extension, to the young men in the room, like, what are the Proverbs offering to them specifically? Well, I think we can look at this literally, young, 
meaning in age and, and simple as um, not steeped in religion, maybe a kind of a blank slate, a fresh start, which you talk about coaching young kids. I get the opportunity to do that a lot. Like one of the best things about coaching young people is the, this posture of humility of like, teach me, coach. Like, you yeah. know, hey, guys, why do you think they're playing a zone against us? And, you know, nobody knows. Well, is it maybe because we're bigger than them and they'd rather take our chances with 12-year-olds making threes than to be able to throw it to a kid that's a foot taller than anybody else on the court? Like, so let's not come down and jack up the first three. Let's not do that. Let's try to get it to the big kid. That's the whole reason they're playing a zone. And there's this, this again, this, this look of simpleness. Huh? Yeah. Oh, okay, that makes sense, Coach. Okay, so, and it's beautiful, right? And, of course, there's a lot of responsibility to that. And <clears throat> when they mess up, it's usually their fault. When they get it right, it's mine. But um, the, the, the beauty of the, the simple and the young is that they, they want to learn. There's a posture of teach me, right? And I think about the Gospels and Jesus and him sitting with Nicodemus, this wise Pharisee in the, in the world's eyes, and Nicodemus is trying to figure out what Jesus is bringing new to the table. What's different? What, how do I get to this kingdom of heaven? And Jesus tells him he has to be born again. And Nicodemus, he's too old for that. He's too smart for that. He's too wise. He's like, how does a man be born again? That doesn't, that doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. To, to us, that doesn't make sense. And Jesus is like, well, unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Like, you have to be. You have to accept this posture of... I'm a blank slate. Like, I want to learn. I want to be uh, rewired, so to speak. And then later on in Matthew, <clears throat> Matthew 18, I actually I wanted to read this to you guys because to me it's, it's that powerful. It's, it's, at the, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? It's such a man thing to do, right? Like, who's the best disciple, you know? Uh, he called a little child and had him stand amongst them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children... You'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Mm. So I, I think about this like, man, we want to talk about who's the greatest and who's the smartest and who's the best and who's got it all figured out. And Jesus grabs this little child like, actually, it's the opposite. Mm. It's the guy who sees himself as young and doesn't know anything and wants to submit. That's the guy who will be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so while I think... Solomon probably literally was writing to those who hadn't gotten deep into the world yet. I think those of us in this room, whether you're 85 or 25, like God is calling you literally to walk with the Lord, mm. to be born again. You're, you're, you're acknowledging you don't have it figured out and you want a Lord. You need a Lord, not just a savior, not just a get out of jail free card, not just a magic genie, but like. Lord, I'm yours. Teach me your ways. Um, and so I, I think that, yes, it's a great start to Book of Proverbs, but it's also something that I think we all need to chew on is like, where am I in my walk with the Lord? Am I still a blank slate of, hey, coach, what, why are they playing zone? Or am I like, I got this deal figured out and really, <clears throat> God, I'll holler at you when my wife's sick. Hmm. That's a good word. We're up to either two or three, depending on how you count jockisms, but okay. it's climbing. All right, we're good. <laughs> uh, so you might think Proverbs is just for the young and simple, but let's, let's read verses five and six. Five says, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. 
because the Proverbs of Solomon are for, verse 6, for understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. So we had the simple and the young. Now we have the wise and the discerning. Kurt, how many years have you been doing ministry? Making disciples? 30. 30. So why would Solomon turn his, his, his gaze, his focus, not away from but to include the wise, the discerning? Why, why does he care about them also and giving wisdom? And then also, what would that, again, by extension, communicate to the men in the room here who would feel like they don't fit into the category Bert just described, but rather, well, I'm a seasoned vet. I am a wise dude. I live the right way. What, what are the Proverbs offering those men? Yeah, because I think Solomon knows that every one of us, I don't care how old and how wise you are, he understands and knows that we are prone to wander. We are prone to, to fumble. Mm. There's a little sports analogy there right you there. Go. <clears throat> well done. Um, you know, we're, we are, we're just prone as men to stumble and, and to not seek wisdom. And uh, he, I think he understands that. Um, he understands that we, the, the, the average, it's, it's hard for a man to finish strong. Mm. Some of you guys have read Steve Farrar's book, you know, Finishing Strong. I, I think Solomon understands that. He understands that even as an old, old, older person who is a sage, there's, there could be a tendency to, d- to do something stupid, mm. to be a fool. And so he's saying, hey, this is even for, for you guys who have been around the block a number of times. This is still for you. And uh, there's 112 verses dealing with women in Proverbs. There's uh, 69 verses regarding money and possessions. Well, I think that those are two of the big things that we, us guys struggle with. And so Solomon is saying, hey, you wise and learned guys, even, you've been around the block you got to keep pursuing wisdom. Keep pursuing understanding. I think, I, and I think of my dad when, I, when, when we talked about this earlier. Uh, it's so. What time is it? Six thirty. So it's five thirty where my dad is. So he's not quite up, but he'll be up pretty close. He's gonna be he's gonna be eighty three this year, and I know what my dad will do this morning. <laughs> Guarantee. Because I've known it for decades. My dad will get up. He'll go down to the basement. He will sit on the john. And he will uh, open the Bible. And he will kill two birds with one stone. (laughs) I said, Dad, I said, you you bring a whole new definition to regularity. But but, you know what? My my dad, and, and he will tell you. Flat out, my favorite book in the Bible is the book of Proverbs. Even though he's not a poetry guy, he's a farmer. He's been a farmer his, you know, for all these years. But he knows he needs wisdom. He knows he needs insight. He knows he needs understanding. He knows he needs knowledge. And so he, he, he says, if we would just live and embrace the book of Proverbs, man, our lives would, would go so much better. Mm. Um, Murphy, so for those that are struggling with finding time to get their nose in God's word. Like, that's a great tip this morning. There you go. I wrote that down. Little little pithy proverb right there. (laughs) Sit on the john and read the Bible. (laughs) Read the proverb of the day. So, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, catch this. So far in this introduction, it said nothing about your preference or propensity towards liking poetry. Rather, Solomon has said, who is this collection of writings for? 
When anybody who needs help on their internal realities, they're up here. Anyone who needs help in doing the right things, that includes all of us. Anyone who's wise and seasoned, anyone who's young and simple, so that includes everybody in this room. He says the book of Proverbs is for you. Maybe that's something just me that I need to hear because I tend to avoid these types of writings. But Solomon says that's, that's who it's for. It's for all of us. And notice we haven't even gotten to the meat and potatoes of the verse yet, or to the passage yet. This is just introduction. So finally that leads us to verse 7. As you read this book the next couple weeks, you're going to see that what I'm about to say is true. Verse 7 is essentially the, the overarching theme. It is the summary of the entire book of Proverbs. Uh, if, if you're a bourbon guy, this is if you distill all of it down to one concentrated drop. That's what this is. This is foolproof right here. Verse 7. Verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord, that's a little bit of Christianese. If you've been around the church, you've probably heard, uh, that's a God-fearing man. Or, I'm going to put the fear of God in this boy. Like That's, that's a term we throw around a lot. And a lot of us kind of have some baggage we bring to the text in terms of what we think that means. But just in a posture of humility, let's just try to chew on this passage and let it speak for itself. So... Just to dive in, if this is the theme of the whole book, what in the world is the fear of God? What does that phrase mean? Well, the first clue to kind of understanding that, likely in your Bible, almost all the modern translations do this, the word LORD is in all caps. That's intentional. That signifies this Hebrew word that we would say is Yahweh. That is a specific name. If you were to ask me, what do you think about old Ron Dog? What do you think about Ronald? And I'd be like, Ronald who? You said Ronnie Cordray. You say Ronnie Cordray for me, and I think, oh, yeah, there was a, that's a guy that when, when my wife was at some of her lowest moments when we were walking through a season of infertility, he and his wife and kids circled around my wife, and they prayed over her. Mm. Or, or when my oldest son was going in for a four-hour surgery, he beat us to the hospital and was waiting in the lobby so he could park our car for us and pray over us. Like, I, I can't separate that name from the relational experience I have with him, from his character. You tell me his name, I'm reminded of his character. Mm, There's a lot of names like that that you guys know that I could share that will invoke instantly a reminder of a character of a relational experience. Jay Dorch, Chris Burke, Glenn Harder, Kurt Souter, Chris Morgan, Eric Peterson, Adam Huddleston. As I say names, you think of men that you have a relationship with who have, who have spoken into you, who have walked with you, when you hear a specific name that you have a relationship with, you are reminded of their character and you can't separate their character from their name. The same is true of Yahweh. When we see Lord, whatever the fear of the Lord is, it has something to do with a very specific person. This is not a generic fear of God, some random God. This is Yahweh. This is the God of the Bible. This is the God who created the earth, who liberated his people from bondage in Egypt. This is the God who, uh, along the way, provided for them and protected them. This is the God who exacts his judgment on them when they disobey because he is holy, he is good, he is merciful, he's patient, he's mighty, he's worthy. When you read Lord, we are supposed to be reminded of all of who he is. So whatever the fear of the Lord is, it has something to do with a specific person that you can't separate his character, his nature, from who he is. So that's our first clue. 
The next clue comes in understanding a little bit about how Hebrew poetry works. So typically, you get line A and then line B. They go together, and B clarifies A. So a silly example. Line A. Chris Burke is known for being a swinger. Well, hey, wait a second. What does that mean? Line B, with a baseball bat on a diamond, he's a dangerous guy. Oh, okay. Clarifies. So there's something in this second bit that clarifies the first. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom. They despise instruction. So the key word there is the word despise. Fear has so many negative connotations in our language. This is difficult for us, and that's why we have to really chew on it and work our way through it. So Kurt, help me out here. Despise is somehow juxtaposed and set in contrast to the fear of the Lord and despising wisdom and instruction. Somehow they are different, and that's meant to help us better understand what the fear of the Lord is. So, so dis- help. S- s- despise would be reject. It, it, it'd be like you're, you have this opportunity to gain something, and you're going to reject it, or you're going to dismiss it. Um, it has this connotation of, of thumb your nose at that. It has this, I'm, not, I'm just not going to listen. That's the connotation of despise. Mm-hmm. And we all, at times, uh, can really struggle with this. Uh, let me give you an example. Um, there's four, qual- or four characteristics of men described in the Proverbs. Uh, the first is simple. That Chris was talking about, it also can be simple. I'm just, I'm clueless. I'm, I'm just ignorant. I just don't know. I'm too young and inexperienced. That's the simple. The next one is the fool, which is mentioned here in this passage. And, and then there's one that's not mentioned is mocker right here in this passage, but it's throughout the book of Proverbs. Sometimes it's, it's called scoffer, but mocker and scoffer are the same. So you got the simple, you got the fool, you have the mocker, and then you have the wise. Now, if you teach and correct each one of them, they're going to respond differently. For example, um, the simple just, it's, it's clueless. They, they just don't get it yet. It's, it's, uh, you know, Chris is back to that kid. You say, well, we're going to do zone. And he's just like, huh? Uh, uh, I, I don't know. And there's this blank stare. That's the simple. When you correct him, when you teach him, he just doesn't get it. A fool if you teach and correct him, he's going to despise and ignore you. A mocker, if you teach and correct him, he's going to hate you. That's what Proverbs says. He will hate you. But a wise person, if you correct and teach a wise person, what's he going to do? He's going to thank you. And so uh, a person who fears the Lord is going to lean into the Lord. Now, I think Chris is going to unpack that a little bit more. But despise <coughs> means I'm just going to... I'm going to reject it. I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to push it away, and I'm not going to embrace it. That's good. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. it's super helpful. Mm. Uh, famous C.S. Lewis quote says, In God you come up against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself. Unless you know God as that, and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison. You do not know God at all. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. Hmm. So you catch a lot of this has to do with the posture of the heart. Yeah, humility is 
I mean, killer here. You, you, you don't have humility, and you're, you're going you're gonna to fall off into the ditch pretty quick. Another word you said was teachable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I would just say, too, sometimes in, uh, you know, modern Christendom, we, we, don't, we don't like to use the phrase the fear of the Lord with the full measure of the word fear. Um, but Jesus himself, Matthew 10, 28, says, don't be afraid of those dudes. Be afraid of the one that can kill your body and your soul. Uh, like, like it do us well to have a healthy Old Testament fear of the Lord. That doesn't mean we haven't been offered his incredible kindness and grace through the sacrifice of, of Jesus. We have, and we have that uh, to wash over our sins. But I will tell you this, as a man who spent a lot of time on the road with everything the world had to offer, the fear of the Lord took me to my room a lot. So talk a little bit more of that. I, I have heard you say in private and from this stage, I don't know how many times over the years, God's ways are best. As I've thought about what is the fear of the Lord, I feel like a, a, a man who lives that out would say something like God's ways are best. Mm. Like what, to talk about how that belief of the fear of the Lord has shaped your life and led you to the point that I think you truly believe God's ways are best. I think that's why you say it, because I think you believe it. Maybe talk for a minute about how, what has led you to that point, what you have seen in the world that has led you to believe what Solomon has said is actually true. Well, I, you know, I, I would just say, too, that my time as a young man in professional sports really showed me this juxtaposition, to use your word, of God's ways, man's ways. And uh, when you're living in pro sports world, you, you get the full measure of man's ways. Uh, and I was, I was blessed to be uh, sharpened by some men that were fully engaged in God's ways. Uh, and I had a bunch of teammates who I loved to death who were not. Uh, and were, boy, they were going all after man's ways. And you could just see the relational destruction over here. And you could see the good fruit over there. And so as a young, simple dude, I was fortunate to be able to see that very clearly on kind of this uh, grand stage. Um, and so really to, to start walking with the Lord and say, okay, that, that, that way looks better. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to submit and take God up on his words. And so if we're just, let's just land in Proverbs here for a minute. So I think of some of the Proverbs that have, God has opened up in my life that have shown some of the most fruit. Uh, Sam's heard me say this one a bunch. Proverbs 19.11. Where's my man Brett? Uh, Proverbs 19.11. It's to a man's glory to overlook an offense. Uh, I get a little emotional because Brett's like my little brother. And I don't think he'll mind me sharing, but he's had a uh, <clears throat> situation that has been eaten at him. And he calls me. We talk through it. I said, hey, man, let me, let me give you this proverb. And he was wronged, and it stung, and he's been harboring it, and he realized that ain't for my good. It's not for my good, and it's certainly not to God's glory. What should I do with that? Hey, man, why don't you, why don't you make amends for that? Mm -hmm. He sends me a text a few days later. Hey, I just want to let you know me and this dude met. Thank you. And it's, it's, not, it's not, I didn't write it. You know what I mean? It's not my ways. It's God's ways. Like, really? And I could 
bore y'all with thousands of details of times I've been wronged. My wife might be sharp with me when I get home, right? Uh, like, man, it is so good to overlook an offense. Mm. It is so good. It is for your, that doesn't mean you never stand your ground. That doesn't mean you don't ever speak up. But the amount of good fruit that God has shown me in my life through not being easily offended mm-hmm. it is limitless. Proverbs 19.11. I think of Proverbs 11.25. This is our man Ronnie's, uh, one of his uh, taglines. A generous person will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. You know, Jesus said it's, it's better to give than to receive. I think about God's ways are best because when we are using our gifts for God's glory and the good of others, that is actually our sweet spot. You know, the world, what's my purpose? What am I meant to do? Why am I here? Like, I don't know exactly why you're here, but I promise you it's mm-hmm. to use the great gifts God's given you for his glory and the good of others. Whatever that looks like today in your world with, with how he's packed you, that's it. Um, and Proverbs tells us that, right? Amen. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Uh, and then what are we all doing here this morning? Proverbs 27, 17, you referenced it earlier, right? As, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. And we, see, we know this to be true. That's why we're up this early. That's why we, some of us have been here for over a decade. Because mm-hmm. we know this is for our good. God's ways are best. And what, what happens is when you partner with God on that, you start to really get the good stuff, which is not only are God's ways best, and I know that internally, but when I actually start the practice of skillful living and taking him up on his ways, mm. then I realized that's actually for my good. Mm. Like that looks fun over there and I could definitely get why you're doing that. <laughs> but tomorrow morning, I'm going to be a lot happier with myself if I don't go over there yeah. and fill in the blank with whatever's going on over there. You know what I'm saying? And so you go, even though sin is fun in a season, in a moment, God's ways are actually so much better than my flesh. And the more... You take God up on his ways, and the more he winks at you and puts his arm around you and shows you the goodness of his ways, um, the better we're still going to be sinful. But uh, the more we get wise at skillful living. Um, And I just would challenge all of us um, to dive into this book because there is so much goodness in there when our, our lens is focused on God's glory and the good of others, not, I hope dudes think I'm smarter. Yeah. Just a quick shout out, too, for scripture memory. You just quoted three off. You, it's hard to put those things into practice if they, aren't, they haven't taken roots inside of you. Those are, a lot of them, just short little taglines, but if you'll commit those to memory, it's crazy how often it keeps coming up and coming to your memory, whether you're sharing it with a brother or in a moment where you're trying to make a choice and you're like, oh yeah, that's what God has said about that. Yeah, when somebody cuts you off on the road and you, it's to a man's glory to overlook an offense, like, I mean, all right, come <laughs> like on a over. You're pig good. with a gold ring in his snout. Uh, Kurt, what about you? I, I would love to hear um, th- this whole idea of the fear of the Lord, how it has shaped your life. Through the highs and the lows, you shared just a brief picture in your bio about uh, your life, the ups and downs. How has the fear of the Lord shaped you and your story? And then if you don't mind, just do the hard part for me and go ahead and connect all this to the gospel. Like what does this all have to do with Jesus if we're to look ahead here as we kind of wrap our time together teaching? You you know, it, it all stems from back Yahweh, the Lord. You know, I've been blessed to grow up in a Christian home, and and you know, so I was taught to fear the Lord. I mean, my I watched my dad, 
you know, I said what he does in the morning, you know, he goes down to John, but I know what he does every night too. He gets at his bedside and he just goes to his knees and he prays. I've seen my dad do that for decades. And, and there's just, uh, so yeah, when the heart, the, 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 the high points, you know, it's, it's easy to kind of puff ourselves up. And, the Lord, you know, when, when we look at the Lord and go, this, is, this isn't me. This is, you know, I mean, Burke, you go to the major leagues. And, you know, but this is it's a gift from God, mm. you know. And, and if we can keep that in perspective, you know, um, another proverb is man, a man is tested according to the praise he receives. Mm. So it's when good things are happening. Man, that's when we're really tested. When good things happen, but then, but then also when, when the tough times come, you know, when, when you know, Kristen died, um, I'm a mess. I'm a mess, and I'm angry, and, and I'm weeping, and I'm grieving, and I'm, and I'm struggling to, like, God, God, this is so hard. Why? And, uh. You just lean into him because it's all you got. Mm. It's all you got. Um, Lord, my only hope is you. And I am so sad and so angry with you that you allowed her to die. Uh, At the same time, that's when I also knew the Bible says in Proverbs, he who walks with the wise grows wise. And I began to say, oh, God, I, 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 I got to start connecting with other men who have lost their wife. I got, I got to go after men who can help me in this point of misery and pain and sorrow. I, I've got to go to other men. And then, and I, so I began to interview a bunch of widows and widowers. Like, how, how, what'd you do? And, you know, Bob Russell, who did Kristen's funeral, he told me, he said the day of the funeral, he said, Kurt, one day, one day, God will make it all right. And then he quoted Psalm 30. He said, weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. He goes, I, I don't know when your rejoicing will come, but it will come. And fortunately for me, um, you know, kind of fast forward, one of those people who lost their spouse was a lady. I kind of had ulterior motives, guys. Um, Nancy Kennedy, I go, I, I, I don't know how she managed when she suddenly lost her husband, dropped dead of a heart attack, but I, I want to learn from her. <laughs> Plus, I'd like to get to know her. <laughs> She came, became my wife five years ago. <laughs> like, oh, God, thank you, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, our only hope is Lord, guys. That's our only hope. And, you know, one day Nancy's going to die or I'm going to die. She's going to become a widow again or I'm going to become a widower again. That's reality. And so then who, what are we going to cling to? Who are we going to cling to? And that's why 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, you might want to jot that down. Jesus is the fulfillment of all wisdom. He is the embodiment of wisdom. And, and that's why he came to this earth to show us 
your only hope is me. And uh, I, I can't even begin to, uh, to, you know, proclaim, guys, if you have never surrendered your heart to Jesus, um, the greatest, the wisest move you could ever do is to trust him, to receive him into your life and say, I'm a sinner, I am, I am in need of a savior. I'm in need of a master. I'm in need of someone who can lead and direct and guide my life because by myself, I'm going to be a train wreck. Mm. By myself, I'm going to completely make, uh, make my life a complete misery. By myself, I'm going to mess up. By myself, I'm lost. But with Jesus, with Christ, as Master and Savior and Lord. Oh, if God be for us, who can be against us? We are more than conquerors for those of us who are in Christ. And so when we have Him, we have victory. And uh, that's the gospel. The gospel is that we're, we're broken we're sinful, and we are lost, and we are enemies of God. But with Christ, we become a friend of God. We become an heir of God. We become a son of God, and we have eternal destiny. Not just go to heaven one day, but we begin to live the eternal life right here, right now. The quality of life that Chris was talking about, a quality of life that we can have right now, even when bad things happen, we can still have quality. Because what I learned in the death of Kristen is really balancing joy and sorrow. Mm. That's what God calls us to do. Joy and sorrow. How do we do that? How do we live with pain and sorrow and grief, and yet how do we live? The joy of the Lord is our strength. How do we live in that way? Amen. So, Let's pray, fellas. Father, thank you for uh, your son, Jesus, who is wisdom incarnate. Thank you for your word that we can open this morning, bright and early, and we can see your wisdom shining through the pages. Would you, Spirit, humble our hearts and our minds? Would you help us to be humble, to be teachable as we, over the next month or so, open up wisdom literature, open up uh, these Proverbs of Solomon, to be shaped by it, to be formed by it in our, our internal mental capacities and our, our prudent behavior. Would you grow us in discernment and understanding? Would you mm. teach us and shape us to be right, just, and fair men? Mm. But would you do all of these things, Lord, for the glory of your name? Mm -hmm. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. 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 <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media.